0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at People, I was thinking about this one time, uh, I don't know, uh, last fall, uh, we, went, we went hunting. Kev, her husband Kevin and Kim and I went hunting. There's this old farmer out in Tonganoxie, and he, uh, he lets us go out and hunt on his land every so often. And so Kim and Kevin and I went out there and so we go up to the door, we knock on the door and you know, we hadn't told him we were coming, so we knocked on there and I said I said, "Hey, you know, can we hunt?" And he says, "Yeah, sure, but listen. I'm getting older and uh I've got this old mule out there and he just he's he's ready to be put down. Uh and I just can't bring myself to do it." So he says, "You know, would you guys, you can hunt, but I need you guys to put my mule down." And so I said, "Okay, we'll do it." So we're walking back to Kim who's in the car and 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 just said uh um, I said, hey, you know, let's, let's mess with her, you know, in, uh, in, in a little bit. So just follow my lead. And so I get back to the car and Kim goes, so do you say we can hunt? Kim's a big hunter. She loves hunting, you know. And so, and she said, and I said, I said, I said no. He said that we, uh, not only am I the worst pastor that Kansas City, Kansas has ever seen, but just like our church is bad and everything we do is bad. So he just said, get off his land. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill his mule. And so, uh, so I walk over and I put the mule down. And uh, just, just bam. But all of a sudden, Kevin and I hear bam, bam behind us. And Kim says, I got two of his cows. Let's go. Sorry, Not a true story. Okay. (laughs) Not a true story. So there you go. Yeah. Did you think, did you, were you like, I don't remember this? Yeah. 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 There you go. So Anyways, hey, uh, we're gonna start a study through the book of Habakkuk uh, today. It's three weeks, we'll take a break for Father's Day. But um, I wanna talk about two things before we hop in. First thing, um, so we're doing a building expansion uh, and we're adding something on the back here. I, I won't go into all the details. If you want details, um, I can go in more, but we're, we're hitting some roadblocks with the you know, unified government uh, building department. Including like a sidewalk to nowhere and and things like that, and so um so I would just ask like pray for wisdom for us, uh you know how to navigate those things They are things that like can be taken off in the next stages, but um, uh we're really thankful for that we live in a city that they care about how things are. Um, but you know, we're trying to update a 50 year old property in essence, the last time things were put under code here was 50 years ago. And so there's lots of details to go through. So join us in prayer in that process and that we would have wisdom and the building department and p- people that make decisions would have wisdom as well. So if you want details, you can, you can ask, um, next thing is super, I'm, I'm, something I'm super excited about. Um, Uh, Marcellus Casey, who is the chaplain for the Kansas City Chiefs, Uh, he is going to be speaking here on Father's Day. And so great day to invite people. We'll have gifts and, uh, you know, food and treats for all the men. But uh, Marcellus is a great guy. Uh, He came and spoke to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at Piper here. Um, We um, had him come speak there and just a really real guy. And and, um, he's going to bring a great message to encourage us. So, So that's Father's Day. Invite somebody that would be excited about that. All right. So, um, Habakkuk, uh, Old Testament book uh, written by the prophet Habakkuk. And uh, it is a time of transition for him and for the nation of Israel. Uh, it's a transition from really the Assyrian empire to the Babylonian empire of those that rule all throughout the land in that day. And so right about the seventh century BC, uh, it was uh, a time during King Josiah's reign in um, in israel in josiah 's reign was a time of revival, spiritual revival, revival of just pretty much everything. people returning to God, people uh, crying out to God, the return of the word of god and, and Josiah was one of the youngest kings, but God used him in a great way. but then what happened after that was a time of great spiritual decline, and so some of you in here may have experienced like uh, like during the Jesus movement, uh, you know, in our country, maybe you met Jesus during that time where you sp- saw great spiritual revival. And then you've been through other times where you're like, man, you know, the state and the health of the church, the state and health of our country. And you look, and so you could feel how Habakkuk felt because that's the time that he, he is in now. He's in a time of, of great uh, spiritual decline where things are unhealthy. Um, the, uh, the book is... Uh, is a dialogue between the prophet and God. And he has questions for him. And so you may have questions for God. Uh, You you probably do. You may have a short list or a long list, Uh, but the things in your life, and maybe you don't even formulate it that way, but you have things in your life. I have things in my life that you look and you compare yourself to others. You see things happen and going on and and you just, you say, why God? You know, why uh, did this happen this way? Or why do you allow that to happen? Or, or when God, uh, I, this thing, the situation doesn't seem to, to go uh, with your character. Uh, I know that you're all knowing, I know that you're good God, but this doesn't seem to match up or, or uh, and so how long, those are the many questions that we have. And so the book is a short series of complaints that the prophet has towards God or questions. And then God responds. And then he comes back. The powerful thing is that his questions or complaints end in a great confidence in God. And so my prayer is, is that that's how this book would end for us. Is that as we throw alongside our lives, the life of Habakkuk, we would enter in with God into the questions that we have and that we would come out the other side with a great confidence in God. Um, that we may still have the same questions, but there's less distance between us and God in that process. And so, uh, Habakkuk's name is Embrace, and uh, or he, so kind of like, uh, it's from the root Embrace. And so really what it means is like he who embraces or he who clings to. And so isn't that good that he ends up in this place with all these questions and complaints but in the end of the book, the last chapter, the third, the third chapter that we'll, we'll go through on the 25th of June, so powerful, the things you read there, uh, that, that if we have that attitude, if we had that heart, that he ends up doing that, he clings to God. So as we do, as we start any series or book of the Bible, we kind of pause before and say, God, would you work in us what you want to work during this study? So let's pray as we, as we go into it. So Father, we thank you for Uh, The things are written down here by uh, your prophet um, and the things that he experienced. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would um, work in our hearts and our lives. We ask that you would teach us as we go through this for the things in our lives and for the things in our day and for the things in our country, Lord, that we might end up closer with you with a greater confidence in you uh, as we walk through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, One of my favorite activities uh, as an adult and as a boy uh, is to when I'm hiking in like remote mountains and, uh, you know, there's a place where there's an echo. I've just always loved just the feeling. I still get a kick out of it. It's so fun. Just hello, 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 hello. It's just, it's one of my favorite things. There's not much opportunity for that around here, uh, I've found. uh, But uh, I love just getting out in the wilderness and just hearing an echo, uh, it's just fun. And an and echo, is just, um, uh, it's, it's simply uh, a noise and it reflects off a face of something else. And so it's, it's pretty simple, the, the physics of it, uh, but it's, um, and it will always come after the other noise stops. And so, uh, fun stuff with echoes. Um, Anybody else like echoes? That, a few of you guys like to play around, yeah. Okay, Kim, I know you would, yeah. Um, But, you know, you ever have a bad connection on your phone and then your voice is echoing with the other person? That, that's not so much fun, right? You know, you're sitting there like, ah, the communication is bad. Um, What about, when you have questions for God and you're praying and you're talking to him, but really there's just an echo. There's silence. Uh, That is one of the most difficult things for believers is to experience silence from God is to come to him and talk with him. And yet we receive silence in return where we pray and pray and even pray through tears in silence possibly, and uh, where the situation doesn't get better or maybe it even gets worse and there's still silence. Uh, we ask things like, God, where are you? Um, these are just some of the things that I say in those times. Uh, Don't you care? Uh, why aren't you doing anything? What's the problem? I try not to say this often, but what's your problem? You know. That's not a really good thing, but, but to bring my real emotions to God and just say, God, where are you? What are you doing? So Habakkuk is in a situation like this where he's in a dialogue with God and God has been silent. And so verse one, we see that he starts to get a fatigue in seeing. So verse one of chapter one of Habakkuk, it says, the prophecy that Habakkuk, the prophet received, how long, Lord, Must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted." So he's dialoguing with God. Really the deepest part of him is interacting with God or he's wanting to interact with God. His soul is burdened uh, about the current state of his nation and in the people of God and what he sees. Uh, The land is defiled and soiled by sin. Uh, There's violence, there's injustice, there's wrongdoing, there's destruction and violence, there's strife and conflicts. And these are the results of what Habakkuk sees and feels. The, the, in other words, there's these activities, but then it's resulting in even worse things. Some of the things that he sees, verse four, where it says the law is paralyzed. Uh, um, we know that the crime rate was so high that law enforcement could not keep up. Um, the law enforcement uh, did not even try to enforce the law at times because it was so heavy and, and this environment wasn't great for them to, uh, deal with the problems. Um, uh, justice did not prevail, it says. So the justice system was overwhelmed with cases and handed out sentences that would not deter future viol- uh, offense. Uh, society was rewriting truth with lies and overriding facts with feelings. Are you, does this seem familiar to you? Yeah. Right. It's, it's not a new thing uh, with our, what's happening in our country. Um, it's, it's, it, history repeats itself. And then verse four, the wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. So the wicked gain control of the government and then they changed laws and tweaked truths and principles, uh, based upon feelings instead of facts and the way that things were designed. And so this is the situation that Hippocratic is living in and he's caring about the things that are important to God. He's caring about the people of God. He's caring about them, and they're his treasure. And he's caring about God's nation. And he's saying, God, this is stuff that's important to you. This isn't just frivolous. This just isn't stuff that, that is just, you know, I want this. I want a new chariot, or I want a new house, or I want a new, you know, uh, crop, or I want a new livestock. He's saying, This is important to you, God. Why are you silent? why aren't you doing anything? Uh, He believes that his interest and care about people, Israel and God's people matter to God. And he believes he'll get a response, but he's not sure when he will get that response. And all of this leads to, he has fatigue in what he sees. He has fatigue in what he sees and he's tired of seeing. Even it says like, why do you show me iniquity? You know, I mean, probably just not the other people's iniquity, but sometimes God shows us our own iniquity, right? I mean, you ever have that where you're cruising along in life and then all of a sudden you, you, you get a glimpse of your own heart. You get a glimpse of the, you know, maybe the way that you see people or maybe the way that, you know, that, that I talk about people or you talk about people, or maybe the way we respond to situations or, or maybe, you know, we find how, you know, tied we are still to stuff or things or accomplishment or progress. And, and really, we're, we're not content. It doesn't seem like at all. And you ever have these moments and you say, God, ha- have you done anything in me? After all these years, how is it that, that these thoughts and these ways still are in me? And, and then you can look at that too with maybe the church or this nation. Uh, we look and we say, God, what is going on that all of this is still there? So you get this fatigue in seeing, and yet all of that, doesn't it bring us back to a place of remembering the grace of God? Remembering that we're saved by, by faith and that we're saved by the grace of God, that, that uh, it's, it's nothing of ourselves that we're saved, that we, all we bring to the table is, is, is a willingness to receive what God has done, um, that we're, we're, we don't bring anything to influence other than, God, I need a savior. God, we need a savior. There's a desperation that enters back in when we recognize our frailty with God. That's what's happening with Habakkuk. And um, I was talking recently to a couple parents that um, their children uh, transitioned uh, recently from playing high school sports to college sports. And uh, you know, at any level, whether it's JC or whether it's uh, uh, Division Two or NIA or Division Three or Division One or whatever the expectation goes from like, you know, everybody is excellent now. Everybody is the best of the best and the expectations of what you would do. And I was talking to one parent yesterday and they were just like, you know, great athlete, but now he's like amongst, you know, all the other athletes. And it's just like, wow, this is a whole nother level. You know, I just like the, the, the stress here, the, the place here of what's going on is so much greater. Uh, And so that's what, Uh, Habakkuk's going through, is he's he's just saying, man, this is tough, there's a lot going on. So God responds, God gets back to him. And don't you love that when clarity comes? Uh, What's hard is, is that a lot of times with our questions for God, we look for answers um, like in the way that we would answer, or we look, or we're just looking for uh, an answer. Like a specific answer. In other words, that this is what we would hear back. In other words, like uh, with my boys, uh, you know, when they were little, um, I would say something to them if I'm correcting them and and all this stuff. I said, "Look, can you just say yes, Dad?" And as they got older, they would just say yes, Dad. I'm like, "No, but I want you to mean it. I know you're just saying that, you know, like (laughs) like like like, you know." So uh, maybe sometimes we do that with God. Like, God, would you just tell me this? Uh, Would you just sort this out for me? Would you just give me this response? And I don't know that that's really the approach, but we read God's approach to Habakkuk and he says, let's talk. I'm actually all over this thing and let me tell you about it. So verse five, it says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians that that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong, their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps. They capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. So God gets back to Habakkuk and he says like, I'm on it. And this is going to like, you're going to be amazed at this at what I'm doing. And so God's allowing the desires of the Babylonians who are overtaking the entire area or world at this time, he's gonna allow them to come to Jerusalem and to Israel and to his people and attack them. Whoa. These are the moments where we recognize and we realize that God is God and we're not. And so God's reply is that he will be amazed. Uh, We need to remember that God has always been like this, that God is over kings and nations. Uh, Daniel, in chapter two of 21, it's recorded that he says this about God, that, that he changes times and seasons, that he deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. And then also in Job chapter 12, verse 23, it says, he makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and disperses them. And so Habakkuk and us will be utterly amazed at what God does. You see, the questions that Habakkuk had and that we have, there's a whole lot more going on that we don't see. Even when we're experienced and we grow and we're more mature and we have wisdom and we've seen what's happening, there's always so much more going on than we can understand. Uh, you know, like you, you ever apply for a job or you apply for a scholarship or, uh, or you apply for an apartment or you, you, you put an application on to buy a home and, and you're like, why aren't they getting back to me? You know, like in and, and, and the reality is they have other things going on. But for you, you just have that one thing going on. There's all kinds of other pieces going on and activities that are going on just more than just your one thing. But a lot of times when we want something bad enough, when it hurts bad enough, we really only see the surface level of things. But there's so much more that God's going doing that's deeper. There's so much more that God has happening that's below the surface. And so that's what's happening here. Now, the Apostle Paul quoted Habakkuk 1.5, this verse where you know uh, it will amaze you what I'm gonna do, uh, when warning the Jews uh, of danger um, to which they were exposed if they neglected the gospel of Christ. You can read that in Acts 13. He warned them that if you reject the grace of Jesus Christ, given by the cross of Christ, you know, you'd be amazed at what happens. You'd be amazed at that. And in essence, what when somebody rejects the grace of God, they're saying there's another way that things are gonna be made right. There's another way, there's another grace that I'm looking to, there's another answer than the work that God has made through Jesus. There's something else. Uh, in The hard thing is, is that when we do that, we open ourselves up to all sorts of things. And so the interesting thing is that um, God will use different means to bring about his kingdom, reign in an individual, in a church, in a country. Uh, He's okay with starting over actually, Uh, especially as Americans, we love progress. We, like if something doesn't progress further and further and further, we see it as, as a failure. And God many times look at, looks at our progression. He says, "Well, the problem is, is that this is built on just like perishable things. This is built on hay and stubble, and it'll just burn away." Then He set one foundation, which is Christ. That if you build upon Christ, if you build upon Christ, the cornerstone, then it'll be strong. But if not, and so God, time and time again, is okay. He's He's okay starting over. He's okay bringing it back to the beginning of the instructions. You ever do that where you go into the instructions and you put it all together and you put something in upside down? Uh, My family had something like that recently. And it was basically like, okay, we got to go back to page one. See, God has no problem with that. And so, you know, the things that you want changed in your life, the things that uh, you want changed in, uh, in the church, big church, You know, as far as Christians, the things you see or the things you see changed in the nation, you know, God is much more committed than us. He's like all in. He's like, hey, no problem. And I will do it in a way that may hurt. I will do it in a way that that may bring it back to page one. And it starts all over, essentially. God is okay doing that in our lives. Uh, See, we tend to worship like what we currently have. We tend to worship progress. We tend to worship those things. And God says, hey, don't worship anything, but worship me. Uh, You know, for our country, right? I mean, uh, you know, America, the beautiful, you know, pinned on top of Pike's Peak out here about eight hours away or so, right? Um, Beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesties above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee right? And don't we see that? We see that, you know, in, in a lot of ways, America, us, our people, you know, we've, we've rejected grace. We've rejected the cross of Christ. We've said we have other ways. We have progress. We have our ways of doing things. And, and we don't want to reject the cross of Christ because then we enter into another realm. We enter into another place. So We would probably say to that if if God said, hey, no problem, I'm gonna fix your life, but I'm first gonna burn away everything that's not of me. No problem, that thing that you're talking to me about, I'm gonna do that, but we gotta get all this other stuff out of the way. Uh, We look at our country and and, and we say, God, would you you bring righteousness back to our country? Would you bring uh, justice back to our country? Would you bring truth back to our country? And yet God says, okay, no problem. Like the equivalent would be that he said, like, okay, I'm bringing in the Chinese or I'm bringing in the Russians and, and everything's gonna be, okay, now, okay, let's do it. What would you say? You would say what Habakkuk says here. He says, not that way, please. Not that way. I, I, had, uh, I had been having some health tests for blood pressure and some different things and I'm a middle-aged man, you know, and so figuring out some stuff. And so, I, so I'm trying to figure something out and so I go get this test and and it making me uncomfortable and I'm that's what I'm saying to these people, like, is there another way? Like, you know, is there another way to do this, you know, than going into this tube and I don't like small spaces and can you do something else? No, nope, that's the way. Well, Habakkuk says this too. Verse twelve, it says, Lord, are you not from everlasting, my God, my holy one? You will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. In other words, he's speaking about the Babylonians. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? So he's basically saying, he's saying, God, now wait a minute. Our nation is unrighteous, and we're doing all these horrible things, and that's my list I've told to you, but why would you allow somebody else that's even more unrighteous and even more evil to come in and do it this way? And he's saying how, how Babel, the Babylonians and the king, that it's almost like they're like fishermen. You've made people, all the kingdoms that they're taking over, you've made it that they just go fishing, and every time they throw a line and they just... <laughs> You ever go fishing like that? Usually it's small ones. First time I ever went fishing. uh, We went to this pond and I was with my dad, Boy Scouts type thing. And, and we went in there, I caught like 50 bluegill. I'm like, this fishing thing's hot, you know, just like easy, you know? And the next time I went, I didn't catch anything. And, you know, right. I'm like, okay, there's something to this other than just catching fish. But for Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, he's saying, man you're just making it so they just go and destroy anything and they take over anything. Why are you allowing somebody so unrighteous to do that? Why are you allowing them to do that? And now you're sending them after us, a people that is your people, but we've been bad. Here's what we need to know, is that the rejection of God's ways and the rejection of his grace compounds to transport people or a church or the church or a nation into an environment that reveals their rebellion. And so if you are living a certain way, um, you know, ultimately like the way you live, if it's not God's way, will consume you because it's compounding building towards something. And that's what the Jewish people are seeing. They've been living in a way that is not God's way And so now God is sending the Babylonians, which will consume them, why? Because it's what they've attracted. See, we seem to think that like we as people can go into um, uncontrollable situations or uncontrollable habits or uncontrollable things. And we think that we can then be in control in those situations. We think that we can enter the chaos of the world and just say, it's okay, I can quit anytime. It's okay, I'm just gonna do this once. It's okay, I'm just dabbling. And but the problem is, is our hearts get tied to things. Our hearts get tied to stuff. And this is a template for people and for all nations. When we give ourselves to other ways of living or give ourselves over to other things or we we compromise on things, what happens is our hearts now enter a freeway where we're headed to a place. Nothing is stagnant. We're either headed towards God or away from God. And that's what we see with the nation of Israel doing in this time. And so by playing the Babylonian game, they end up with the Babylonians. And it, it's just a principle. It's just true. Um, you know, I know, um, you know, like, uh, like if we, like our health, you know, if, if like we sit down and, you know, eat a gallon of ice cream and a couple pizzas, you know, uh, when we're 20 years old or whatever, you know, that's probably not going to affect our health. We're going to have a food coma and probably waddle a little bit and not feel great. But, you know, if you do that throughout your life and in over, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, or, or if you live above your means, and you do that as a 20-year-old, you know, not going to affect your complete financial situation, but if you do it for five, 10, 20, you get the point. And so, but what are you doing? You're you're going to end up getting indebtedness or you're going to end up getting bad health. Why? Because that's what you've done. And so you get the results of that, the compounding of that. And yet what's hard is, is we look at that and and we say, well, I don't understand what happened, but it's just, it's just basic, it's how things work. And so it is with our hearts and so it is with our nation and so it is with with everything. And so God says, you know, what if you return to me? What if even though there's these questions, even though there's these things, what if you came near to me? So let's return back to the silence. We began with Habakkuk in silence. And he may have been hoping at this point that God did not answer, because it's one thing to be have God be silent, but then it's another for Him to start working, and you don't like the way that He's working, because there's more involved than you thought. When I was a kid, when I would drive with my dad or my grandfather, who um, you know are both they're both Marine Corps officers and you know just uh, um, you know pretty serious guys. Good guys, but pretty serious, you know. Uh, cowboys rode in the rodeo and stuff. And there would be times where we're driving down those long country roads in the truck, and I'm just like, you know, talk, 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 you know, and just I'm just talking, 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 keep, t- you know, right. And uh, looking back, and now that I have a few more years under my belt, you know, uh, and I'm like, well, why aren't they talking? And why are you right? And and um, what I realize and this is, kids are different, but what I realized is I would just talking, 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 had all these questions and and complaints, whatever, if I transfer it to God. And and yet, you know, it's interesting when you embrace the silence, you start to actually think about the other instead of just go, what's going on in here with you. Uh, You know, because in those long drives on country roads with my dad, I don't know that I, when I was young, I ever once thought, I wonder what he's thinking about. I wonder what's on his mind. I wonder what's important to him right now. I wonder what he wants to do. And I think that that's similar to what we can do with God. When we have questions and we have things that we want to talk with him about is when he's silent to say, what if he's giving me an opportunity to learn about him? What if he's giving me an opportunity to find out what's important to him and maybe receive insight to what he has to say about things and maybe it's much bigger than we understand. Also too, when we get silence or maybe some of the things that we have questions about, we're just upset because there are limits, right? you know, I, I've done this, which should equate to this. What's the deal, God? There's a limit. And what I'm learning is that some limits are meant to be broken through. And then some limits are a grace. Like they keep us in this sweet spot to become who we're made to be. And it's our ideal environment. And they keep us in this sweet spot of knowing God and knowing others. And so some are to be broken through, and some are just simply a grace to sit down into. And it makes me think of Psalm 91, verse 1 through 2. It says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty and I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So where do you dwell? Do you dwell in the shelter of the Most High? Is that where you take up residence? Where it says that you will rest in the shadow of the Almighty? To be within a shadow, you have to be close. And so what if the questions that you have that I have what if the step one is to draw close what if step one is to, is to walk in and and to humbly say God I see things this way but maybe there's a lot more to it than I understand and so God says now you're getting it come close come close and isn't that what we do as Christians that we ultimately can't even enter in unless we say, God, I lay down everything that I may follow you. I lay down everything that I may know you. I, 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 I lay it all down. And what if, too, that meant laying down our questions, laying down the limits, laying down the things we want resolved in starting with, God, I want to come close. I want to know your heart. I want to know who you are.